0: listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And
1: Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back,
0: strap in. Embrace, Embrace yourself.
1: yourself, we got another get another one of those intros that has Chris in it you know, I don't know what you would say chris uh what 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 kind of thing do you think you would say on the intro you know like i, I what was it uh, that uh, wendy said uh, that there will be body damage what would what would you yeah. say in that
0: I don't know, maybe oh, crap or. <laughs> Something something worse.
1: I'm sorry, sir. Is that your cigar are you just happy to see me? (laughs) Exactly. So, Nexen Tire USA, we got you. Find out more about the tires that are on the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, the Nexen Tire Rodian MTX at NexenTireUSA.com.
0: Looking to upgrade your Jeep? Who is it, right? How would you like to get free gear to make those upgrades happen even faster? The Jeep Talk Show, the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast, is giving you, the listener, a chance to win big-ticket items from brands you know, love, and trust. Want in on the action? We'll be giving away major Jeep gear from big-name brands every month. This isn't going to be stickers, hats, and T-shirts. We're talking about serious gear that can change your jeep build in a big way so listen to the show every week and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss your opportunity to win the jeep talk show's biggest giveaways ever
1: Chris, are aren't the giveaways just damned amazing i'm just so surprised that uh, virtually every uh, company we asked to be a sponsor uh jumped in and, and said yes i mean Gosh, it was. It's like you know when you somebody asks you how much you want to want that for that sixty five Mustang, and you say ten thousand dollars. They go, "Sure, here." Wait, 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 wait a minute. Did I say ten thousand? I meant twelve thousand.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, it's been an awesome. We've got an awesome response from all of the uh, great product sponsors for the giveaways. It's just, it's incredible.
1: So this week, uh, we are going to be giving away a Steinjager uh, Lava Jacket. I think Ace Engineering originally did that, and uh, Steinjager uh, uh, bought that uh, bought that company, so now it's the, uh, uh, it's now their Lava Jacket. Did you, Chris, do you remember what the Lava Jacket is? I think you were the one that told me about it originally.
0: Yeah, I, I mentioned it. I got to see it in person. Uh, Ace Engineering, uh, well, used to be local to me in Michigan, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a Uh, a jacket, a a windbreaker, and it attaches, it has a hose that attaches to, uh, I know for the JK, JL, JT, I do believe they have an adapter for the TJ, and you can uh, attach that to an HVAC vent and cool yourself in the summer or heat yourself in the winter or those cold uh, early spring, late fall days when you still have the top and doors off the Jeep.
1: Yeah, down in Southeast Texas, it's uh, cool yourself uh, all twelve months of the year.
0: <laughs> Good problem to have.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it is the JT Gladiator, the JL, the JK, and the TJ Jeep Wrangler models. And there's actually adapters for each each venting system that that you whenever you go to buy the the jacket, you tell them for what vehicle. So it's vehicle-specific, which has to be really nice because it's uh, it's fitted to the vehicle. Anyway, that's what we're going to be giving away on our next Jeep Talk Show giveaway is the Lava Jacket from Stein Jaeger. Am I saying that right? Is it Jaeger or Jaeger? It's a, uh, I see a J in there.
0: I believe it's Jaeger. It's uh, the Stein. I forget. Stein. I you interviewed Jaeger. him. Uh, Jaeger means champion or something. Uh, It's German or Swedish. I I remember
1: Luke Luke saying they just made it up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll use that as the reason why I can't pronounce it, which we all know. I just can't pronounce anything. So there you go. All right, Chris, well, unfortunately, you couldn't make it to our most recent, uh, the the second annual, I should say, uh, Jeep Talk Show Off-Road event, and uh, we missed you. But, you know, last year you flew down and uh, you joined us jumping in from Jeep to Jeep, and uh, uh, you were out there taking a lot of pictures. And I was a little sad that uh, not only were you not going to be there so we could uh, have fun, talk, and uh, shoot the shit, so to to speak, but also, too, because we weren't going to have a photographer there. But do you know that uh, Jimmy um, had two of his uh, uh, friends come over? One was a videographer, and the other one was a photographer. So they were running around and videoing and uh, all kinds of crap, and we do have video of Jimmy almost flipping his Jeep
0: yes i uh, that's really cool and i'm disappointed but a little bit of life got in the way this year uh i was able to live vicariously through the many posts on the uh, on the discord server so that was uh was fun while i was uh, stuck back in michigan but uh, yeah the photos i've seen and the video i've seen i did see a video i don't know if it's the video of jimmy almost going over and that was uh quite uh Quite scary, oh, even just my to
1: watch it. God, you know you're you know you're safe there behind the screen, but you're mm-hmm. watching that stuff going, holy crap! It wasn't just one of those things where it was, yeah, it was up a little bit. He was probably at a sixty degree slant at one point.
0: I would agree. From the video that I saw, I would I would agree. I I, I want to send him a uh, client inclinometer. I I forget what it's yeah, called, a but inclinometer, I, yeah, yeah. I want to maybe send him one just just as a joke. Don't tell him, but uh, I'll just send it to him. So uh, I
1: was thinking about sending him a crowbar so he could get that cushion uh, unstuck from his ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that because everybody is going to have, be grabbing that cushion with your butt cheeks as Absolutely. much as possible.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, we got a great interview with uh, Dan Greck tonight, and uh, Dan Greck is uh, theroadchoseme.com. You go over there and check that out, and uh, you can go to Amazon and uh, type in Dan Greck G R E C, and you will see uh, several books that Don, Dan Don, several books that Dan has done, uh, and uh, one of them uh, that I like the best is the the one in Africa. Absolutely gorgeous for, uh, photos in that thing. Dan spent three years in uh, in africa but uh let's get to the uh let's get to the interview and you can hear what's going on with dan now this is, i think this is either the third or fourth interview that we've done with dan
2: from around the world
0: or from your city and sometimes just down the street howdy neighbor it's the jeep talk show interview all righty boys
1: and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and tonight we're going to be interviewing Dan Grek. Dan, what is this? This is the third or fourth time we've had you on? Do you know? If you don't know, uh, that's fine. I can't remember either. I'm, I'm, going to say, I'm going to say it's the third.
2: I was thinking it was the fourth, actually, but I'm not certain on that. I was trying to remember all the places in the world that I've called you from, and uh, my memory is not that great.
1: So, you must be enjoying coming on this show. You come on so often. Uh, actually, no kidding. Uh, all kidding aside, uh, do, do you ever uh, do, do you ever hear from anybody saying, I heard you on the Jeep Talk Show?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. A few people. When I toured all the Overland shows in 2019, quite a few people came up and said, hey, man, I heard you on the Jeep Talk Show. So, yeah,
1: it was great. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad to hear it. So, Dan has been driving his various Jeeps around the world for more than 13 years. That, that would be good for a career, a, a long-time career from Alaska to Argentina on the Pan American Highway in a little two-door TJ all the way around Africa and a four-door JK. And now Dan has built a shiny new gladiator into his new house on wheels to explore all of Australia over the next 12 months. It really does seem like the road chose Dan. Hey, Dan, um, is it different in, in Australia where everything's trying to kill you, all the animals? I mean, not not the people, but... <laughs> all the animals are trying to kill you than africa
2: well it's funny so far i've really only been in the southern southern part of australia and and down here the animals are pretty friendly there's like kangaroos and wombats and they're they're kind of fluffy and furry it's not until i go north that i'm going to start bumping into crocodiles and the big snakes and stuff like that so so far australia isn't living up to that reputation well good good because i mean you're
1: from there so you know but i mean for us us people like, especially in Texas. Of course, we have an oil well in, in our backyard because that's the the typical thing that everybody <laughs> thinks. Um, but uh, we see these things where uh, I think it's black mambas or something will just chase you down. <laughs> they're they're not like you know. I'm they're they're, they're more scared of you than they are uh, 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 of you than they are of you of them. So anyway, I just uh, just really surprised some of the stuff that we see. Uh, you know, over the world wide web, it just like. It just seems, like, really scary. I mean, if you're, if you're in there close to, like, uh, the, the civilized parts, it's not so bad. But the rest of it seems really scary.
2: And it's funny, you know, I, I haven't actually been here much in the last 15 or 20 years. And so even for me, it's all a bit weird. Like, I, I see a snake or a spider or something, and I'm like, um, how dangerous is that? I, I have no idea. I'm like, I, I better stay back. I didn't even think about that, right? You've been gone for a long time, haven't you? Yeah. And, and I keep getting this tingling sense in the back of my neck where I'm like, oh, I better keep my eyes out for bears. And then I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> What's going on? Where am I?
1: <laughs> do, you, do you sometimes wake up and forget where you are? You've been so many different places for
2: such a long period of time. It does happen sometimes, yeah. Um, It it was really bad, actually, when I was still sleeping in the Jeep that I had driven around Africa, because when you wake up in the morning, your whole, you know, enclosed sleeping area is identical to what it was all the way around Africa. And so, I'd I'd get up, cook breakfast, whatever, and start driving. And then I have to really concentrate and be like, what side of the road am I supposed to be on? I I can't remember. (laughs)
1: I bet you that is really something, especially the grogginess of just waking up. And you're right. You know, when you wake up in your house or your apartment, you know where that is and you know where you are because you recognize it. But when you're in a vehicle that moves around and you travel all the time, there's no telling where you are. I think this is probably what Dorothy went through in The Wizard of Oz. You know, she was in the house and then she landed someplace else. And what the hell?
2: It really feels like that some days, and especially when you camp out wild. You know, you're far away from people and towns and all of that. You're just sort of on the side of some gravel road. And you know, there's a few cues here and there, you know, the trees are different or whatever, but you, you don't see any people for the first hour. You don't see any other cars. So, yeah, you sort of, it could be in any one of like 20 countries that I've been to. They all sort of look a little bit similar. So, it is, it is really disorienting some mornings.
1: So, I would imagine um, one of the things that I found when I was traveled around the country. And I don't mean traveling the way you were doing it. I was traveling for work and, you know, I'd fly there and be there and look around. I was very disappointed that no matter where I went in the country, it all seemed to be pretty much the same. You saw the same uh, strip malls, the same businesses. Everything seemed to be the same. Even I traveled to to Mexico, Monterey, and I was disappointed to see, I think it was Chili's and Whataburger. I was like, what the hell? I I can see this down the street. I'm I'm all the way over here. Did you? And there was one place, Boston, was completely different and very interesting. Do you find that all these various places that you've been to are very similar? I mean, it is the same planet, but it's, but still, it, it, in my mind, it seems like it would be radically different.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the most amazing things about traveling really far and wide is places are vastly different. Um, and, and it's actually more jarring when I drive into a place that does feel familiar, like, once i'd been in africa for about a year i drove into south africa and then suddenly yeah there were strip malls and there was mcdonald's and there (laughs) were you know familiar sort of things and that actually was shocking to have the normal in air quotes instead of what i'd been experiencing which was all radically different every day
1: so did you get a big mac a big mcfish or uh, chicken nuggets when you went to mcdonald's there Oh, I did not go to McDonald's.
2: I <laughs> I, um, I made a deal with myself many years ago that I'll never go to McDonald's again. Uh, other than I, I do go there to use their free Wi-Fi. I'll admit to that, but I, I don't purchase anything from McDonald's.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I don't blame you. But it, sometimes it's just like uh, you know I got to have a Big Mac, so or that fillet of fish is really good. But anyway, uh, enough. I, Big
2: Big Mac was definitely my favorite for many years.
1: Yeah. So uh, or just to go play on the balls and be asked to leave. That's what I usually do. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I forgot to mention your website, which I like to mention that at the beginning, so people while they're listening, they can be uh, perusing the website. It's the road dot com. So you know, chose is c-h-o-s-e i Always try to uh, pronounce it choose with two o's. So the road dot com. And uh, I want to mention real quickly uh, while you're browsing, you I'm sure you'll see the books on online there. But Dan is. Uh, Quite a author. He has uh, the Road Shows Me, Volume One: Two Years and Forty Thousand Miles from Alaska to Argentina. That was that the TJ uh, trip.
2: That's right. Yeah, okay. and that book is is really designed. I was just an ordinary guy. You know, no sponsors. I didn't work for National Geographic, but but I wanted to have this big grand adventure, and I wanted to find out what would happen if I just tried. But so that book is really written from the perspective of. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, mean, I would imagine you got quite a bit of notoriety from uh, doing that trip and writing the book.
2: You know, it was interesting back then, overlanding. I didn't even know what it was when I set out. So, it wasn't kind of in the mainstream. And my trip, I think a few people sort of followed or knew what it was. But for the most part, I just did that trip for myself and I just wanted to go. So, I did. It wasn't, you know, there was no Instagram. I didn't have Facebook. So it was, it was sort of a different time. What year was that that you did this? Uh, that was from 2009 until 2011. Very cool. So uh, did the TJ work well for you? I mean, I, was, I know it was small. The TJ was fantastic. Um, and I think I attribute a lot of the success to it was just really light. I didn't have much gear. I didn't have a winch. I didn't have a rooftop tent or a fridge or kind of, you know, the things that everyone says these days is essential. I just went for it. I kind of had a a camping setup from back when I was a backpacker. And so the TJ never broke down once, never had a single mechanical issue. And it just immensely capable, you know, four wheel drive, go anywhere you want, point and shoot. And so it was great.
1: So you didn't actually sleep in this Jeep, though. You you must have slept external because I can't imagine. You're a little taller than I am, and I don't think I'd fit laying down. In no,
2: that that's right. <laughs> I, I just had a ground tent, you know, and a sleeping mat and a sleeping bag, and and so every night I had to set that up. Um, but that was great because I love camping, so I was happy.
1: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And then the Road Chose Me Volume Two, and that was the, the the big one that I know the most about. And actually, I think when we first did our interview was about this one. I was just blown away that you were going or driving around the. Uh, the outside uh, of the continent of Africa in, in a in a jeep because everybody else uses like the fenders or something other than jeeps and you were doing it in a jeep but anyway the road chose me volume two three years and 54,000 miles around Africa and that was in a, a JKU right?
2: That's right yeah and that one I prepared a lot more thoroughly so it had a pop-up roof and a big kitchen set up and a fridge and you know all the off-road goodies bumpers and a winch and a lift and all that stuff and
1: you had guests on that trip. The guests would come in and you'd pick them up and they'd stay with you.
2: That's right. Yeah. And we'd travel together for a week or a month or two. And then I'd drop them off at some other airport and they'd fly out again. And so, yeah, it was really great. <laughs>
1: That's so cool. I mean, you had your, uh, your girlfriend over uh, a few times, right?
2: That's right. Yep.
1: And is she with you on this trip or is it the same type deal? She comes to visit.
2: Uh, No that relationship didn't work out. Um, It it turns out living in a small four-wheel drive around Africa is a difficult thing on a relationship Um, and so we separated um, but now actually I have a new girlfriend and she is with me full-time on this trip.
1: And you're supposed to say a new better girlfriend than the last one because she just sucked.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah as soon as I was asking that question I went oh god what happened if they broke up? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. I mean, we, we had an amazing time, but it was it was hard, you know. Oh, I, I mean, talk about long distance relationships. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I think overlanding, especially, you know, a lot of people glorify, you know, oh, it's so beautiful and we're having such a great trip. And but the reality is it's very difficult. You know, it's very stressful. It's hot. It's dusty. You You don't really have any rest days. And so you know, kind of the exhaustion and the challenges and the languages and the visas and all the stresses combined, um, it, it's a hard thing to do.
1: Yep, it is. I mean, you you mm-hmm. have to love it to be able to do something like that.
2: Or just be really crazy.
1: <laughs> so the uh, the third book is 99 Days Around Africa, The Road Shows Me. And uh, there's actually, if you just do a uh, search on Amazon for Dan Grek, G-R-E-C, you will see all of these books because there's three more books, uh, and even one book that tells you uh, work less to live your dreams, which was Dan's uh, book about how he uh, got saved up and got uh, got all this stuff where he could go and do it, and how much money he. I don't know if you actually went into how much money you need or or not on that in that book. Or, uh, did did you give a ballpark or an amount?
2: Um, I don't actually know because I think you know everyone's saving up for a different goal. You know, not everyone wants to drive to Argentina. Some people would like to maybe go to Alaska for a summer or, or whatever your dream is. How do you sort of make that happen and, and put the steps in place so you can get there?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the first one, the TJ. Uh, so whenever you were taking the TJ up and it was your first big trip, uh, uh, did you work along the way? Did you Were you making money as you went or did you save up before you went and then uh, ran out of money and then worked? <laughs>
2: Yeah, the, the second option. So I really, I was working a desk job um, for years and years and just slowly putting away money as, as much as I could each month. And I really just decided that the trip was my priority. And so then it became easy to, you know, I didn't need to buy new clothes, I didn't need to get a new cell phone or any of those things. All of that money instead just went in a savings account. Um, and then when I thought I had enough money, I hit the road. And yeah, like you said, I I kind of ran out of money and I worked a little bit. I I volunteered at a couple of hostels in South America. Um, I got a pretty nice tax return along the way and just sort of limped along and, you know, really scraped by at the end and essentially ran out of money. I was on my credit card actually to fly home and then kind of went back to work again and started the whole process all over.
1: Very cool. Did you have any problems getting rehired after you had been gone out of the workplace for so long?
2: Actually, no, that was really easy. Um, and a lot of people I think are really worried about that. But I actually put it really front and center on my resume. And I said, yeah, I, I took those two years and like I learned self-reliance and I learned Spanish and kind of went out and learned about the world. And everywhere that I interviewed, they were like, okay, great. That's good. Like good, good that you went and got life experience. And we don't see that as a negative at all.
1: Oh, very good be upfront and honest about it that's uh that it does make sense uh other than the jealousy factor (laughs) the the new boss says oh i'd like to go do that i don't want to hear about this every day so next well
2: well, it was it was funny i hadn't been at the job very long maybe like a month or two and you know obviously i'm chatting to people in the lunchroom and stuff and and a few people sort of got wind of what i'd done and they were like oh my god you need to give a presentation about this so then it was like a, a Friday morning, I ended up giving a PowerPoint presentation to like a couple of hundred people at the company about what I had done. And then suddenly everyone knew me and everyone was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, I want to do that. It is amazing. So it was, I mean, yeah, it was really funny that, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't upset or they weren't annoyed that I'd gone and had all this life experience. They were really excited about it. Yeah, it,
1: it is very amazing. Did, did this perhaps uh, encourage you to write a book or had you already written a book at this point?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I hadn't written it. Um, I I didn't really think that I would write a book for the longest time. Um, Most of my stuff was online. I was blogging during the trip. And then as the years rolled on and more and more people kind of took interest and said, you know, hey, you should write some of this stuff down. Like these are interesting stories that never came out on your website or, you know, sort of my feelings along the way and different aspects of the trip maybe that weren't so obvious or talked about. And so, yeah, it took it took many years actually for me to write that book. So, do you ha- uh,
1: do you record a journal? I mean, uh, maybe you didn't in the past, but you do now to help uh, write the book. Because I would think a lot of the things that you uh, you just forget about.
2: Hmm, I do keep uh, a small journal. Um, I don't I don't write every day, and I don't write everything. But when something really impactful happens, or something that it occurs to me, I'm like, oh, I really want to remember that. I'll, I'll write down a good, you know, paragraph or three about what happened, who I met, what they said, where I was, kind of the, you know, the real important details.
1: Yeah, just curious. I would think that uh, the the TJ uh, trip, the, the trip to uh, uh, Alaska was probably just, uh, let's go out and have some fun, uh, see how far I can go and just enjoy this adventure. And then the I could see after you writing a book, you might actually want to keep up more detail for the uh, for the for the book itself. I know I forget about a lot of stuff, and uh, also too, it just seems like um, something funny will happen, and I'll kind of remember it, but I'll forget the setup of uh, how it got to the part where it was actually funny. So, uh, oh, and one funny thing that happened to you in Africa was uh, you rolled your jeep.
2: I'm not sure I'd call it funny, but yeah, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's a segue. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: So uh, now that was something new. You had, you didn't do that in the TJ, and so far you haven't done that in the Gladiator, correct?
2: Correct. Let's keep it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, it uh, kind of started rolling backwards, and uh, I don't think you were in it, and it and it flipped over, and the. Uh, uh the, the folks there uh that were around helped you get it back up and i don't think there was any damage uh am i remembering that correctly
2: that's right yeah it didn't break any glass I, it kind of tore the fenders off a little bit but i just duct taped them back on um i let it sit for a few hours to let the oil settle back where it should be and it fired right up and and i drove it uh, you know i drove it every day for many years after that
1: very good and did you have to top off the fluids or just just let them tr- trickle back down you didn't lose any you know it lost
2: virtually nothing. There was the tiniest little bit around the oil filler cap. I think a little bit of power steering fluid leaked out of the reservoir, but it was very, very minor.
1: I bet you that was a big relief whenever uh,
2: you got it back on its all, all uh, fours. I actually, I didn't want to open the hood because I was terrified that it was going to be chaos under there, and you know everything would be damaged. and And so I just, I tr- like for about twenty minutes, I just wouldn't do it. I was, you know, walking around and around and around, but really anxious and the, the yeah, happy I, thoughts. I happy was thoughts. So happy relieved thoughts. when I opened the hood and I'm like. <laughs> Oh actually everything looks perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. But well, people do it all the time but uh, it's always different when it happens to you for the first time. So Yeah,
2: uh, that's right. That that was my first rollover and fingers crossed, only rollover. Yeah. Um and it was terrifying. I'd never been involved in something like that and so I was I was pretty shaken up.
1: So, I'll also mention uh, Dan's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's also uh, the road chose me. But you just go to YouTube.com/slash/the road me, and you can see all the videos, and you can see what's going on right now in uh, Australia. So, uh, and and I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Uh, I've just I've known Dan for uh, a number of years now because we've done the interview, met Dan at at uh, SEMA. I think it was 2019. If that's, I think that's right. And um, got to meet you out there. So uh, if, if it sounds like uh, two old friends talking about stuff and you have no idea what, what they're referring to, that's my fault. Because <laughs> it's one of the few people that I actually know uh, doing the interviews. So, uh, Dan, you are in Australia currently. We did talk about that at the beginning because of uh, the, uh, my fear of the critters out there. But we didn't talk about your different Jeep. You, you are in a gladiator this
2: time. That's right. Yeah. Um, One of the quirks of international travel is that you're allowed to bring your your vehicle that's plated anywhere in the world. So, you know, your American plated Jeep, you could bring it to Africa, you could bring it to Australia, whatever you like. But because I'm a citizen of Australia, I can't actually bring in my Canadian Jeep. So the one that I drove around Africa, I can't legally bring it here. So then, you know, I had a world of possibilities where I had to get a, a different vehicle and start all over again when I got here.
1: And uh, was was the Gladiator an easy choice for this?
2: It was an easy choice, yeah, because, I mean, when I think about it, the Gladiator is essentially a a bigger Wrangler, you know, a Wrangler on a bigger frame. Mm -hmm. And so that really appealed to me because it means I can carry more fuel, I can carry more water and more supplies, more food, so I can get more remote, which is basically the goal of everything I'm doing. So when, when I thought about how reliable my Wrangler's been, my two Wranglers, and, and where they've taken me around the world, I thought, if I could get a bigger one, I could go even further.
1: Yeah, it almost seems like the perfect, at least for Jeeps, the perfect Overland vehicle because of uh, the the bed that, that you have back there, the the storage that you have available. Uh, what, uh, is there anything that you don't like? uh with the gladiator that you like better with the jk i mean i'm sorry the jku or the tj
2: there are a few things yeah and i'm i'm still really getting used to it and i think a lot of it comes down to the particular design or the setup that you have you know whether you choose to have a rooftop tent or whether you have sort of an integrated pop-up or like those things make a significant difference and and for me actually you said that the bed was a big advantage I actually am kind of viewing the bed as a bit of a disadvantage on the gladiator. I feel like it's very hard to organise and it's very hard to find a home for everything, but still be able to reach it easily. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah, I can see that. And so, I, yeah, it, it's sort of an ongoing battle, whether I have a draw system, whether I kind of have an ability to walk up in the bed of the gladiator and reach things or, you know, I, I keep flip flopping about which way I want to go. And, and it's kind of a, a constant game. And also I find when you're in the driver's seat, you can't easily get stuff out of the bed. <laughs> it's quite, you know, it's a long walk all the way around to the back. You have to open the back and then you can finally climb in there versus on, on my JKU and my TJ, I could just turn around from the driver's seat and grab almost anything that I wanted.
1: This sounds like almost the exact discussion between my wife and I about a uh, a uh, chest freezer and a stand-up freezer. She mm-hmm. likes the stand up because she can get to everything easily and then the 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 chest type you know everything's on top of it of itself and you got to dig around so uh i can i can see that but but you certainly can carry a lot more stuff you just can't get to
2: it easy (laughs) and and that's kind of a blessing and a curse like having more stuff is great but having more stuff means you need more organization because there's just more of it so it's yeah it's kind of it's interesting and challenging and new for me so i'm enjoying that
1: so, uh, what have you done to the Gladiator for the off-roading thing? Did you get a rack for the bed? Uh, uh, do you have a pop-up tent? Uh, tell the listeners what you what you did to the Gladiator.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm really aware that the Gladiator has you know a modest payload, and that really becomes I think the limiting factor of every overland reasonable size four-wheel drive. And so I really really wanted to keep it light, lightweight, and and under its payload. So what I did actually is I had a canvas canopy custom made that goes over the bed of the gladiator so it really is just thin lightweight canvas it probably weighs about 30 pounds and that then just contains the whole bed so it's covered from the sun and the dust and everything and then so in the bed i've got a couple of drawers and i've got a really big um, pull out drawer kitchen that includes tons of storage space a prep service a stove and a fridge um, i've also got a drinking water tank and pump and filtration set up So so the bed kind of is the whole like kitchen slash storage area. And it's it's quite big and like well, you know, built out. Now, do you have a shower uh, with this uh, this setup? I do actually. um, I've made a change this time. My water system, when I get water out of it, it isn't sort of like a tap or a faucet mounted on the side of the Jeep. It's actually on like a springy hose and it's just like a garden sprayer. So I can actually just grab that and spray water on myself which i've been doing actually after surfing quite a lot so it's it's really handy
1: oh i bet get all that uh, mm-hmm. also all that salt and other uh, stuff off of you from the ocean um mm-hmm. so uh this sounds really cool uh oh you were you're limited uh, in australia f- with tire size and lift is that correct
2: that's right Yep. australia has really strict laws um basically 35s are not legal um, you can go down the path of trying to get it engineered, which means you have to get someone to certify it. It probably costs a few thousand dollars. But the tricky, the really tricky, crazy part there is you'll get a certificate to then say it's been engineered, but as soon as you drive into a different state, that's not valid anymore. You could, get, you could still get a ticket and get put off the road in a different state. Um, and because I plan to visit all of Australia, I'm going to go to all the states, I, I don't really want to deal with all of that headache and hassle. Um, so I'm running 33-inch tires.
1: Damn it, Dan. That's just un-American. And more importantly, it's un-Texan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they certainly uh, they certainly can uh, do what they want to do over there. But, uh, man, that's just got to – has it hindered you at all? What size tires were you running in Africa?
2: Actually, exactly the same tires. 33. They're about 33 and a half, um, which for Africa was perfect. I never needed more than that. I never even thought about having bigger tires. Mm-hmm. Because another huge factor is I'm, I'm driving such long distances, mileage really becomes a, a big factor because fuel is the biggest expense. Right. Um, and the, the prices are skyrocketing over here right now. I'm paying about 5 50 US a gallon um, and it's going up quickly. Yeah. So, that's, that's yeah, I, I really, I need to keep the mileage, you know, as reasonable as I can get it. So I'm 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 okay running 33s. I have really noticed though already the the breakover angle of the Gladiator. It it is significantly worse than on my four door (laughs) Angler.
1: Yeah, Mm. Uh, and uh, the uh, the departure angle as well, obviously. So uh, what model uh, Gladiator did you
2: get? I've got a Rubicon. um, I thought over here in over here in Australia, you actually there are very few choices. You can only get the 3.6 liter gas engine, and you can only get the automatic transmission. So that's the one I got.
1: I remember seeing you talk about that on one of your YouTube videos, and I thought, my gosh, you would think diesel would be available, but and that's a shame that it's not. Uh, i yeah, a lot it, of good things it, about the diesel.
2: The official story about that is is that the engine doesn't package on the right-hand drive version, which is oh, yeah. engineer-speak for saying they just couldn't make it fit. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of us on in the community here, we've looked at photos and kind of done our own backyard analysis. And we think what it is, is where the turbo and the exhaust and all of that is on the diesel engine, it's exactly where the steering and the brake booster and everything is on our right-hand drive Jeeps here. So it, I think it would just be too much work for them to kind of redesign all of that.
1: And and you said you can't bring uh, Jeeps uh, because you're in an Australia and you can't bring Jeeps over. So you and I would assume you couldn't get a left-hand drive, uh, a left-hand gra- drive Gladiator, that because they don't make them for Australia.
2: That's right, exactly. Yeah, you, you can't a, drive a left-hand be, drive be car so in nice. Australia.
1: Yeah. So mm. I guess there's no way, and probably it would probably be cost prohibitive to go through all that just to get the, the diesel engine. And the 3.6 is fine. The automatic's fine. That eight-speed uh, automatic transmission seems to be fine. I mean, I haven't had any uh, issues with mine yet. I've only got, uh, I've got less than 7,000 miles on it since May, so I don't know if I've had time to get uh, any problems with it, but uh, I've been very impressed with the Gladiator, uh, and I, I think uh, it'll uh, wind up being a good vehicle for you, and you know... I do like having the ability to shift something manually but mm-hmm. also too it's kind of nice just to be able to relax and take that drive or if it's a complex drive not having to think about one you, you can think about one less thing while you're doing the complexity of, of uh, traveling overland.
2: That's right and it's it's a big change for me. I've never had an automatic before Um but you're right, it is very relaxing some days to just, it's just a big go-kart point and shoot. <laughs> and especially in the deep sand or, yeah, when going gets a bit trickier, you can really just be concentrating on everything that's outside the vehicle. You, you don't have to think about changing gears in the clutch and everything.
1: Oh, and going back to the tires, you can, you, you have to have 33s, but you can get mud terrains and you can do uh, off-road type tires, Correct.
2: Correct. Yep. It's, okay, it's more about the height that is the factor. And, and you can only have a, a two inch suspension lift as well. That's the maximum allowed by law. Oh, well, that's not so bad.
1: I mean, that's what I got the Mopar. Uh, I think it's either two inch or two and a half inch. I can't remember. Now i put that on there. And I mean, I think 35 sort of fit before. It does help you a little bit on your breakover. Did you do the two inch lift?
2: You know, actually, um my job for this week is I've got an AEV two and a half inch lift sitting here. Uh, and so my job is to install that this week.
1: Can you can you say that legally? Or do we should should we make that a two inch lift? I don't See, that's in right. It's
2: a two it's a two inch lift. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I heard it on the Jeep Talk Show. You know, we That's do have right. some Australian listeners, so you never can tell. You might be getting the wrong ears over there.
2: <laughs> I, I, I bought the special two-inch edition of the lift.
1: There you go. I like that. They made it special <laughs> for the, the Dan Greck uh, off-road. <laughs>
0: That's
1: right. <laughs> well, Dan, how do, uh, how do people find you on the social media? You know how the kids love that social media these days.
2: <laughs> I am the road chose me across social media. So I've got Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And I post pretty much daily updates of what I'm up to, what I've learned, w- what I'm doing next uh, a- across all the different channels. And and I'm doing a video a week right now on YouTube, kind of showcasing what I'm getting up to in Australia and and how the build is working out for me and what I'm learning as I go along.
1: Very cool. Always. It's always interesting. And, you know, uh, kudos to you for going out and doing this stuff because it's a lot easier to sit on the couch and watching Netflix and, uh, you know, going to the job every day. So uh, this is, by the time the end of your life rolls around, you're going to be very happy you went and did all these things and just think how sad it was that more people didn't try this. But I think you are running across people doing the same thing out there, aren't you?
2: Oh, definitely, yeah. There are a lot more people driving around the world than, you know, than it seems obvious or than, than it would occur to us to, to think about. And 90% of them, they don't even have social media. They don't write for magazines. They don't care about any of that. They're just out doing it because they want to.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the primary reason for, to do anything, I think. And then let the others uh, catch up with you uh, in as much as being interested or following along.
2: Mm, that's right.
1: Well, Dan, thank you so much for making time for us tonight, uh, your morning, our night, and uh, hope you have a very uneventful but interesting trip.
2: <laughs> Thanks very much.
0: Always fun to be on the show. Yeah, Tony, I had the opportunity uh, back at Toledo Jeep Fest 2019 to meet Dan in person and just a super nice guy. Uh, and I got a copy of his uh, first book, uh, his story from, I believe, the, the northernmost point in Alaska to uh, all the southernmost point in uh, South America and just a super nice guy, uh, really well thought of, thought of and set up uh, Jeep JK. And I've watched his, uh, his uh, YouTube on his, uh, the gladiator. He's now uh, go driving around Australia on the road, chose me on YouTube and uh, just a super, super nice guy and uh, all around great Jeeper and, and just look forward every week to his, uh, to his new YouTube updates.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Dan, on his uh, his first trip, that one from Alaska to South America, uh, he um, w- did that in a TJ. <laughs> and, then, yes. and then in Africa, it was a JKU. And you could well imagine, but that's, that's like, oh, my God, this is so much more room. And uh, now he's doing a Gladiator. So he's kind of doing a JKU, but he has uh, more room there in the back. I was a little surprised that uh, it, the, the JKU seemed to be a, a little bit better vehicle for him. Uh, going around uh, the uh, the uh, circumnavigating uh, Africa, so I mean I thought the, the gladiator was just a natural uh, as far as uh, the overlanding that he's doing, and was a little surprised that the JKU was uh, was more preferable to him.
0: Yeah, and Dan uh, and uh, he's he's uh, like I said he's got a great setup, uh, and I've watched uh, I think I've watched all of his YouTube, but he's uh, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but uh, the gladiator he's set up and he's talked about some of the gladiators you may see overlanding are actually over the gross vehicle weight and he was very careful to build his gladiator so it was legal in Australia where they're a bit more stringent and uh, so he doesn't have the, the pop-up roof I, I think that was his comparison I believe uh, to the to the jKU that he drove and I, I believe he did the Africa mostly solo I know he's has a uh, uh, he's had travel partners with him in Australia so
1: uh, yeah, I made the mistake great. of uh, asking him if his girlfriend <laughs> was was with him on this trip, and and they've broke up, and he's got a new one. So, <laughs> all right, the current, I mean, the it current didn't, girlfriend. It is didn't with even them. dawn on me. So, you travel partners was was very well said, Chris. You did a much better job at that than I did in the interview. <laughs> it is always fun to uh, speak with Dan. I uh, I met Dan uh, myself at SEMA. Uh, I think it was 2019 that I went to, or maybe it was 2018. It uh nah, you know what? It must have been it wasn't twenty twenty. It must have been twenty nineteen because uh the gladiators were thick in SEMA. So I don't think twenty eighteen it would have uh, would have been that way. So I bet you it was twenty nineteen. At any rate, uh, I, uh, I I met uh, Dan. I actually saw Dan. I think he was talking to uh some folks at Warren, uh at the Warren Winch area. And uh, I uh, went over there and spoke with him. And like you say, just absolutely super nice. I can see somebody being nice uh, over the, uh, uh, like doing an interview or something. But, uh, but in person, that's where I'm rude, Chris. Oh, I'm rude here too. So <laughs> it's just a personality flaw. Uh, anyway, it's always fun talking to Dan. Always fun seeing what's going on with him and what's he doing new. And what a great life. I mean, he must just be having such a, the man has no bucket. If he had a bucket list, it was long since filled.
0: Do you have an idea for a guest? Do you work in the off-road industry or know someone who does? Or maybe you would like to be a guest in the Jeep Talk Show. Go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact now and share your idea for our next great guest.
1: So let's see. Look, need to take a quick look here at the calendar. It wasn't already ready. Uh, we are going to be talking with Matt uh, from Matt Off-Road Recovery. This is going to be a fun one, folks. Not that Dan's wasn't, but this is going to be a fun one. Uh, Some interesting things that I didn't know about Matt and uh, his attention to detail, specifically having to do with his YouTube channel, that I think you're going to enjoy. And damn it, I feel vindicated because Matt also has problems with overheating on his XJ, or at least did. So it's not just me, damn it. (laughs) So that'll be next week. Uh, next Thursday, episode 625. Episode 625. So until next week, have a, a great Jeep week, and uh, we'll see you then.
2: I've been asking since 2010.